check one, check two. I'm the anchor slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary get it cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio. It's the Rob You Sports Stu Show. Is that so? Rob You Sports countdown to kickoff. I spark conversation like flicking the big off. Late night flows and show like Leno. Sports book probably like Vegas Arena. Bodyguard Gino and Sky Boss Casino the Nino. Good fella from food and beverage. Robert, Robbie, you, Pharaoh, Nick's golden boy, too. Leverage, Bingo, jackpot plays like Tracy Ette. It's Rob, you, sports, you down, get set, ready. It's Rob, you, sports, you down, get set, ready. It's Rob, you, sports, you down, get set, ready. Break the huddle, season six, keep it steady. Little something, something, yo. I want to welcome y'all back to the Rob, you, sports, stew show, NFL 2023. As we wind down the preseason and come closer and closer to the regular season action of the 2023-2024 NFL season. So thanks for joining me. And uh, you know it's been a lot going on in the league, but some of the top, top, top headlines and stories we've been seeing has been recently the running backs have teamed up on a conference call to discuss some of the situations and some of the things they can do to try to have their voice heard and also take a stand against some of these owners and GMs who are now refusing to pay these running backs these top salaries or more than what they've been getting because the position has recently been devalued with the onset of passing and a more quarterback-friendly, receiver-friendly league. But we have seen some of these running backs take a stand and some of them have been able to get pretty good results. And the most recent has been definitely running back for the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs, who was holding out, not attending preseason play or uh, training camp, for that matter, after the Raiders refused to give him a contract extension and instead decided to put him on a one-year franchise tag which would have been maybe around 10 million well now the Raiders have had a change of heart (laughs) and have decided they will compensate their stellar running back which he of course deserves more than than what they had agreed upon with this restructured franchise tag but it did definitely do enough to convince him to sign and he has the potential to earn up to 26 million for over the next two years if he is again franchised tagged by the Raiders next offseason but with this restructuring I believe he has a potential to earn up to 13 or 14 million this year with us restructuring so that definitely paid off for Josh Jacobs who has been one of the best running backs in recent memory and speaking of running backs Jonathan Taylor is still in limbo with the Indianapolis Colts as they will try to move Jonathan Taylor as they've already granted him a trade request but now it's just the Colts being able to find an offer that they're comfortable with and something that they feel is going to be in their best interest to receive compensation for the player with the talent of a Jonathan Taylor. So we'll see if Jonathan Taylor can find his pot of gold at the end of the rainbow 
after deciding he did not want to remain an Indianapolis Colt. And after these running backs are starting to take things into their own hands and take back some of that power from some of these organizations and saying, well, we deserve more, we want more, and, you know, we out here getting beat up. We out here, you know, putting our bodies and our limbs on the line for this franchise and for these teams. And, you know, of course they believe some of these running backs can be replaced for cheaper talent or, you know, late round picks or free agent picks or undrafted players. But for the truly stellar, top-notch, top-flight running backs, they definitely deserve to be compensated. And there's even been talks of a running back union. And also, like I said before, there was the running back conference call. So these running backs are seeing what's going on. And a lot of them don't like it, don't appreciate it. But they know the market, they know the game, and they know they have to do what they can while they can, while they're still healthy and able to earn these large lump sums of money. They just want those lump sums to be larger for their position, as running back is one of the lowest valued and paid positions in the NFL as far as skill players are concerned. So we see how things move forward with Jonathan Taylor, but Josh Jacobs of the Raiders was able to restructure his franchise tag and get some of the compensation he was seeking. And this is some something similar to what something similar to what Saquon Barkley was able to do with the New York Giants as well. In other NFL in other sports news, we have the ESPN talent firings where we've recently seen a lot of ESPN talent being let go by the network and Two of them were some head scratches for me, but some of my favorite personalities that were let go from ESPN include Jalen Rose, NBA analyst and commentator. Also, Keyshawn Johnson, NFL commentator and also host of The Morning Show. Also, Max Kellerman, boxing commentator, sports commentator. And also the firing of former NBA coach Mark Jackson. That really was a head scratcher because to me, you know, he has the experience as a player and a coach. And he also was a great analyst. And uh, maybe it has something to do with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy and some of those takes of some of the commentating and some of the officials who they would definitely agree some of those calls were terrible during these games that they're com- commenting on live. So maybe ESPN thought that was a conflict of interest to have some of your top broadcasters bashing the officiating of the league that you have acquired the rights to broadcast. So but in the, um, in the situation of these ESPN talent firings, you know, uh, I think it's, it, it shows that for a lot of these sports broadcasting networks and everything like that, maybe they felt some of these commentators were beginning to get a little big for their britches or beginning to speak on some things that were outside of sports and outside of the lines. For example, maybe they felt some of these commentators were just a little too woke or a little too pro-black or speaking out on different things. We all know the last few years with George Floyd and civil rights and police brutality, a lot of these sports commentators have been a lot more vocal and a lot more assertive 
with their views and voicing their views and opinions on certain things that have been transpiring in the black and minority community. So ESPN has been also losing money and, you know, getting rid of some of these big contracts definitely will help their bottom line, even though they are still going to be paying some of these guys for recent recently signed contracts, but they'll be able to write that money off anyway. But as we've seen the ESPN talent firings, we've also seen on the flip side of that, Skip Bayless reloading for his undisputed morning sports show, where Shannon Sharp has decided to step down and the show had to basically go on hiatus because there was not anyone in particular already lined up or assigned to be in those slots to to battle Skip Bayless every morning or, you know, have those kind of structured arguments, <laughs> if you will. So Skip Bayless, seeing the ESPN firings, he was able to acquire some of that talent from ESPN, including... Keyshawn Johnson, Rachel Nichols. Also, outside of ESPN, he was able to bring in Lil Wayne and Richard Sherman, who he's also had some spirited debates with, Richard Sherman, that is. And also, he will be getting some assists from Acho and Nick Wright, also of Fox Sports. So, even with the ESPN talent shakeups, we have seen some of these fired personalities and analysts and broadcasters be able to find a new home elsewhere but also as somebody who really had a passion for sports journalism and broadcasting one thing I will say is over the last I'll say decade or decade and a half I really saw the the downfall of ESPN where I thought they had their height in the late 90s and early 2000s but I think the downside of ESPN and also a lot of sports commentating it became when it became it became less about journalism and more about opinion and more about taking shots at players and taking shots at organizations and you know picking on people and you know making certain people you know like you you're targeting them every day just to trash them and things like that and we've seen different analysts go back and forth with different YouTubers and also present and press sports uh, athletes so you know we've seen Kwame Brown go at Stephen A. Smith and we've recently seen you know Lonzo Ball going at um, I'm sorry Mel, uh, yeah Lonzo Ball recently going at Stephen A. Smith over certain sources and things he heard and you know Ball, Ball wanted to prove him wrong that you know he can sit down and stand up and whatever Stephen A. heard was wrong or whatever so We've been seeing this go on from time to time where these commentators get in these chairs and it becomes like their bully pulpit or their soapbox to just target certain people or talk down on certain people. And I think that really takes away from the actual sports journalism of it. Don't get me wrong, there are shows where it's entertaining for commentators and analysts to debate and argue and speak on their opinions. But I think when it becomes about the talent and the commentator just picking on certain people or bashing certain people and it becomes repetitive, it makes it seem like it's really personal, like they have something against this athlete, whereas the athlete or the former athlete never had that platform 
to really go after to really go after you know the commentators or the announcers or the anchors as they as much as they do now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Throughout history, there have been times when, of course, athletes and the media did not get along. But in the, today's age, we've seen athletes and former athletes go to that next level of you know if they want to put something on their platform or Instagram or YouTube, they do it, and it really should make a lot of these commentators second guess if they want to really attack these athletes so viciously and maliciously because these athletes have a voice as well and they have an opinion as well and you know you may not be their cup of tea either so also with the ESPN shakeups and the uh, Fox Sports shakeup as somebody who had a passion for sports journalism and really pursued this and really had aspirations of being uh, ESPN anchor or a, a sports broadcaster on that level in that time when it was they weren't so watered down and they, they weren't the only and they were the only game in town it's different now you know ESPN isn't the only sports outlet there's you know hundreds of sports outlets there's YouTubers there's different ways you can get sports news and sports media and highlights outside of just a few networks monopolizing it as it was in, you know, early 2000s or in the early days of cable and satellite. So now what I'm seeing is a lot more, a lot more sports, sports journalists who are now mostly, (laughs) mostly retired players. It's like retired NBA and NFL players. They seem to have it on lock. It's rare that you see someone who was not, a former pro athlete speaking on the game on that kind of national platform or national televised show. And then we have a small handful of former journalists who have basically kind of climbed their way to the top of the, the sports media, sports journalist world because they've been so opinionated and they have basically you know, jockey for position. And, you know, these are the people that you see on these morning sports shows. But outside of these, outside of these few handful of journalists who are so opinionated, everyone else on most of these morning sports talk shows are former athletes. And it's like, where are the regular, (laughs) where are the regular sports journalists outside of sports athletes? You don't really see a lot of that. It's like, it's kind of it's kind of been the the, the industry has kind of shrunk into either you're a former pro athlete or you're an opinionated <laughs> former you know uh, sports journalist. So that's kind of like I guess that's what the sports game has come to. But that's just the microcosm of what's out here because outside of these professional former pro athletes speaking their their mind and outside of these journalists speaking their mind there's a whole landscape out here of you know youtubers tiktokers instagrammers and facebookers and these people are bringing you the public their opinion their voice and their platform so you know the subscription numbers for a lot of these networks is falling 
and has you know fallen on deaf ears because people cut the cord. People got tired of hearing the same style of journalist or the same journalist, and it became time for people to have access to technology and different platforms where they can make their own media and get their own voice out. So it's just a different day and age in the sports journalist world. But we'll see how the ESPN talent firings affect ESPN moving forward. And also we'll see how Skip Bayless reloads with Undisputed. Now with new talent coming in to save the day with Shannon Sharp's departure. And we'll speak on Shannon Sharp's departure a little later. And in other off-season news, we had early in preseason, Eric enemy catching some flack from some of his offensive players who actually went behind his back to head coach Juan Rivera. And it was just like, oh, coach is too hard on us. You know, he, he talked too much shit. He's just too aggressive. He's too intense. <laughs> but it's like, this is the NFL. Are you trying to win or are you trying to lose? Or you want your coach to hold your hand and, you know, tell you bedtime stories like this is the league man <laughs> so i think juan rivera was wrong for making that into something with the media he spoke out about it but also i think that i think that eric enemy was doing his thing as coming over from the kansas city chiefs like this that team is basically a dynasty right now so he's coming over to the washington commanders they haven't really done anything on the field lately to solidify themselves as a top NFC team and only thing really think of, when you think about the commanders all you really think about is the poor previous ownership and the disaster that was behind the scenes and you know different things going on with the staff and not really producing a lot on the field so Airbnb me also knowing that his name is on the line his reputation is on the line he's worked hard to get where he is and a lot of these owners and general managers have been, you know, basically, you know, not giving him the opportunity to be a head coach. So when he gets to the Washington Commanders, he's not going to go easy on these players and, you know, tell them what they want to hear and pat them on the head. He's, he's going to let them know, like, I want to win. I want to be successful. And I'm putting my name and my reputation on the line with this as the offensive coordinator. So I think Juan Rivera was wrong to speak out about that to the media. And also, of course, Eric Bieniemy and Juan Rivera definitely had to have some behind the scenes talk about this. Like, yo, man, don't be don't be taking the play aside. That's why they came to you, because I was I was too hard on him. But they'd have to realize I want to win and I want to win now. So we see how things move forward with Eric Bieniemy and that Washington Commanders offense. And we'll see if he can reach some of those same heights that he reached in Kansas City. In other news, pretty boy to men. So there's been a lot of conversation. And there's been a lot of speculation. And, you know, a lot of... A lot of these commentators and hosts of these morning shows and NFL shows... They've been going back and forth and back and forth and just trying to figure out when will will Brock Purdy be okay when he comes back? You know, is he going to have the same kind of, is he going to have the same kind of effectiveness and, you know, he's coming off a of surgery. Is he going to be able to still do the same things he was doing before? But it's like when he 
came out in the preseason, he was still sharp. He's still effective. He's still making fast, quick decisions. He was still a good decision maker. He still gets the ball out. So, really, all that talk was much to do about nothing. Now, when the regular season begins, we'll see how he performs week in and week out. But coming off the surgery in preseason, he did look to be the same quarterback. And on the flip side of that, there was the whole Trey Lance debacle or kerfuffle. <laughs> and the Trey Lance thing has now come to an end now. This this was breaking news this weekend on Friday that Trey Lance was traded to the Dallas Cowboys to be a backup of Dak Prescott. And this comes after days and days of the media, sports media, regurgitating the same talking points, the same conversations and the same uh, rhetoric of, oh, was Trey Lance a bus and the, the 49ers gave up so much for him and it's like you you keep regurgitating the same ideas over and over like I don't think he can be a bust if he hasn't really even played that much football yet and some of that, a lot of that wasn't his fault, he had an injury but also when push came to shove and the 49ers realized what they had in Brock Purdy, he was just a better athlete. I mean, sorry, he was just a better quarterback and a better leader of the team. So, of course, Trey Lance had the, the athleticism and the flash and the flair, but Brock Purdy has so much more, you know, quarterback skill, development. He had the experience of being a four-year starter in college. And he's a talented quarterback. So when it came time for him to get a chance to play in the league, even if he was the last player pick, he still could come into that offense and take charge and do what he does as a quarterback. Now, it is a, a, a good system to be in, to play in that Shanahan offense, because I think it's very meticulous and is very structured as far as, I don't think they put a quarterback in a lot of bad positions. And I think if Trey Lance would have maybe been healthier or been a little a little more astute in picking up the offense, I think that offense would look differently because I think with Trey Lance, they were going to try to use him as more of a Robert Griffin or a Colin Kaepernick or a, that's, that style of zone read RPO type quarterback. But with Purdy Boy, with Zach Purdy, with Brock Purdy's, it's like they can they can use him as more of a traditional quarterback, and he has the intangibles, the quick release, the the good decision making to get the ball down the field and make some things happen. So, I definitely think the best quarterback won that job, and I think Purdy was the best quarterback despite what the 49ers gave up to get Trey Lance. So it was it was time for them to let Trey Lance go. They gave him some time away from the team after he was demoted to third string, just to let him know, like, well, you know, you probably won't be second string here, so if you want to go somewhere and try to get a fresh start, we all, you know, we, we all for that. And it was probably in their best interest to be able to remove that stigma, remove that negative energy and that negative cloud of, oh, we gave up so much for him and he's not even our guy, but they just found a diamond in the rough with, with Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy would just came in and he just he was that effective. So there was no need to keep, you know, being on the fence with Trey Lance or Brock Purdy because Purdy clearly outplayed him and he was a better value as the last pick in the league. He's not making 
so many millions of dollars every year and that frees up money for other positions and other needs that the team has roster personnel wise so Trey Lance trade day scrutiny and now to the Dallas Cowboys for a fresh start with America's team so we'll see how Trey Lance performs with the Cowboys moving forward and then we have few lingering running back vests as the preseason comes and winds down. Still, Kareem Hunt is out there and also Leonard Fournette. So, we'll see where these two talented running backs end up. As some other running backs have found new homes, such as Ezekiel Elliott joining the New England Patriots. How will his impact be? Will he be sprinkled in here and there will he be a third down back a short yardage back or what does he have left in the tank well we'll see we've seen Belichick and the Patriots take some flyers and risk on previous running backs who were a little up in age or a little not journeyman but been here and been there so maybe he can do some things like Corey Dillon or LeGarrette Blunt did as they were getting along further in their career so we'll see what Ezekiel Elliott can do for the for the Patriots. Another running back to catch on in the preseason was Dalvin Cook joining that Jets team, which looks very stacked and very ready to make some things happen. And how will Cook impact the Jets? Also, they have running back Brees Hall, who will be returning from injury. So, Jets will have a nice one-two punch at running back, not to mention Aaron Rodgers and a super style defense. So, definitely a nice pickup. Speaking of nice pickups, we have Jadavian Clowney joining the Ravens. So, adding some stout and some, some pass rush to that Ravens front seven. Nice pickup for the Ravens. And in other football news, we had the recent release of the Johnny Manziel doc on Netflix. And I checked it out. It was a nice piece. And Johnny Manziel mania was once again sweeping the nation with the release of this doc and it got to delve into his life and times as a standout quarterback in high school and also a standout quarterback at Texas A&M where he went on to win the Heisman Trophy as a true freshman and have some <laughs> have some great adventures as a rock star college quarterback not to mention all the money that he gained from signing autographs and skirting the NCAA rules, which they did catch him kind of, and he was suspended for one half of a game, but a lot of that money that he was able to get, he was able to downplay it and make it seem as if he came for money, because there was the story circulating that he came from oil money, and his family had money, so it was almost natural to see him... <laughs> you know, jet-setting across the U.S. to different high-profile sports games and events and concerts and hanging out with celebrities because supposedly he came for money, but a lot of that money actually came from signing autographs and selling them through his homeboy and before he became, before he became an NFL player. Now, once he became an NFL player, one thing that Doc did show is once he got the money and... Football became more of a job and a career. He didn't have the passion anymore. And 
even in the doc himself, he said that he didn't really like Cleveland and he, he felt like he wasn't going to be there that long. So I think it was a case of Menzel wanting everything that came with the game, the glamour, the glitz, the flash, the money, the notoriety. But when it came to doing those things that would keep him in the game, studying film, practice, training, intangibles, discipline, effort, hard work, he wasn't trying to do those things. I think he he, he fizzled and flamed out early because he was given so much so fast as the star of the Texas A&M Aggies because he really put that program back in back into a national conversation with some of those wins and some of those things he was able to achieve especially the Heisman it put a big spotlight on him and you know he partied like a rock star but you can't always party like a rock star in the NFL because you're going against grown men and these men have families and wives and mortgages and <laughs> these men are competitive and they want to be the best and they're not just going to let you come out there and play any, you know, not going to let you just come out there and run all over them every game. They're going to study film. They're going to see what you like to do. They're going to figure out ways to stop you and ways to contain you. And Menzel did not last long in the league. So I think it was a, I think it was a, a story about, I think it was just a story about his, his journey as becoming a college, becoming a college athlete slash semi-pro athlete when in college when he was getting paid and compensated you know everything he did for the university with everything the university did for him and then when he got to the next level professional football and it became a job he didn't have the passion for it or the love of the game anymore because his love of the game was about what the game could do for him and not what he could do for the game but Johnny Menzel wasn't the first quarterback of that stature or skin tone that we've seen hyped to the heavens because even before Johnny Menzel, there was a Tim Tebow. And even around that time, there was another, there was Baker Mayfield. And there were several other of these quarterbacks who get hyped to the heavens as the great white hype, white hope quarterback. And, you know, especially if, if they have the least bit of mobility, <laughs> they just get, you know, they just get hyped up. But you have to be able to perform and produce, not only in college, in the NFL. And a lot of these college quarterbacks coming out, when they come from these top flight programs, top notch coaches and top notch facilities, and used to being ranked in the top 25 or top 10 every you know every week in college they may not always have that same hunger and that same passion and that same desire and drive once they get to the league and it's a, a little different and you're not playing you know with a whole stacked roster of four and five star athletes every every week and you're going to a team that's not that good because they had a high draft pick so they didn't, they didn't have a good record last year and they're counting on you to be the savior and you know you just want to go party and hang out you know it's, it's not it's not always easy for a lot of these high profile quarterbacks once they reach the league because it's a different game it's a different mindset it's a different system it's a different roster 
And if you don't have the love of the game and you don't have that chip on your shoulder to be the best and to rise above whatever draft pick you were slotted at and whatever people think your ceiling is, you're not gonna you're not gonna make it in the league. And we've seen recently we've seen the Brock Purdy's and we've seen the story of a of a Tom Brady, a late a late round pick, who was able to ex- exceed everyone's expectations except for himself because that's how bad he wanted it and he was in the right place at the right time with the right coach and the right system where there was a strong defense on the other side he didn't have to do everything and as the defense wasn't always the strongest the offense came on with weapons and he was able to continue his ascension and his progression as quarterback so one thing to take away from the Johnny Menzel mania and some of these hype quarterbacks coming out of these top programs it's not always where you get drafted it's about where you go as far as organization what they're asking you to do as far as the offense and also what you're going to do as far as effort as far as preparation training studying film watching film bonding with your teammates getting chemistry down getting the playbook down and being a professional athlete because there's a difference between college, semi-pro, and professional. So, speaking of professional, professional, former professional athlete turned commentator, Shannon Sharp, will be taking his talents from Fox Sports to ESPN first take to team up with Stephen A. Smith. And also, I would imagine he will be seen maybe on NFL Live occasionally or Monday Night Countdown, and potentially, possibly Sports Center. We know how ESPN like to put those anchors and hosts through that ESPN car wash, aka go on this show, go on that show, go on this show, go on that show. So we heard Charles Barkley laughing and clowning about it, like, yo, they have you on every show. They have you on ESPN3. They have you on ESPN Deportes. <laughs> so we'll see how many shows they have. We'll see how many shows they have Shannon Sharp on. But Shannon Sharp also taking his Club Shay Shay podcast to the volume. So Shannon Sharp doing his thing, moving around some of that IP, including himself, to a better opportunity. And when it comes to my top AFC teams to look out for this season, got to go Chiefs, Jets, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. Titans, Dolphins, Chargers, Jaguars, and maybe, just maybe, the Patriots. And when it comes to my top NFC teams, gotta go Eagles, Cowboys, Saints, Lions, 49ers, Seahawks, Vikings, Bears, and maybe even the Commanders. We'll see if the enemy can get that offense up the snuff. And we know that the Commanders had a stout defense in, in, in past years, so... It should be up there. So, coming up in block two of the Rob U Sports 2 show, Pharaoh Nick's picks. So keep it locked. Check one, check two. 
I'm the Inca slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Comment every day, they cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio. It's the Rob You Sports Stoop Show. Is that so? I got what you want. The NFL missed with hip hop phone. And spitting sport news. Good heads the blues like you bet your team, you know they would lose. Don't get it confused. I'm like shit calm, mixed with Uncle Screws. Make duck, get bucks, while chicks club. What? Shine like wine from water. Wait, grapes. R.I.P. Stew with Scott the Lake. Great. Welcome back to the Rob U Sports Stew Show NFL 2023. Going into week one. So let's take an early look at the picks. I know there's still a few lingering free agents out there. And they definitely, some of them definitely could, you know, potentially improve a team's offense or defense. Depending on where they, where they go and where they plugged in at. But... In this Rob U Sports Do Show Season 6, Episode 3, we're going to look at all of the Week 1 picks from my perspective of which team I feel will be able to get the W and how I think these team matchups and games are going to play out. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thursday, September 7th, Detroit Lions at Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, Detroit has been one of those teams on the rise with a strong defense and now acquiring some key draft picks and offensive weapons to go along with a strong, sturdy defense, and good defensive coaching, some more weapons for Jared Goff, and also improved running game and some receiving weapons. So against Kansas City, who we know is going to be a high-potent, high-powered offense, always going to be definitely pushing the ball downfield with Pat Mahomes. We'll sprinkle in the run game, but definitely got to watch Kelsey and also have to watch those, those wide receivers of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're all fast, they're all catch, and they all <laughs> can be targeted and hit by Pat Mahomes. But in this game, I'm going to go with the upset, unconventional Detroit 24 over Kansas City Chiefs 23. I know some people may doubt the ability of the Lions to pull this off. But I think it will be a good game, definitely. But it's the aspect of the defense versus the offense. And that Detroit Lions defense may do some things to kind of get Kansas City a little off balance or out of rhythm. And then the Detroit Lions has an improved offense that I think may be able to get some scores against that Kansas City defense. So definitely be a good game, one of my games of the week. Now let's look at Sunday, September 10th, Carolina at Atlanta. I'll say Carolina 27, Atlanta 17 with that strong Carolina defense running game. And also the new rookie being sprinkled in there as well, Bryce Young. And how will he be deployed? What will be his you know, script of plays and schemes and concepts they're going to focus on with him? Well, we'll see. And... With the Falcons, I think that they still have to probably get that offense a little more on track, but I'm looking forward to seeing what their rookie running back will be able to do in his debut. But I'll say Carolina 27, Atlanta 17. And then with Arizona at Washington, Arizona may possibly be without Kyler Murray for a little while until he feels that he's ready to play. Also, the Washington Commander Redskins now with new ownership. How will they come out with the debut of, you know, week one, 2023 season now with new ownership, new vibes and optimism. Also, Eric Bieniemy in the fold as offensive coordinator coming with Juan Rivera in that defensive mind. So 
I believe that Carolina, I'm sorry, I believe that the Washington Commanders will defeat the Arizona Cardinals with a final score of Washington 30, Arizona Cardinals 13. And then we have Cincinnati Bengals going to take on the Cleveland Browns in battle of Ohio. And I believe that Cincinnati's offense will be able to keep pace with the Browns, who now will have Deshaun Watson with a full offseason to get better acclimated with his team and get that chemistry with the receiving core. But I think Cincinnati 20, Cleveland Browns 16, but it should be a close game. Then we have Houston Texans going to take on the Baltimore Ravens now with that revamp offense, bringing in Todd Monken to go with Lamar Jackson and all of the things he can do. Also bringing in OBJ, new receivers, young receivers, talented receivers. So it's going to be a new look Baltimore offense going against Houston. And now with their new rookie quarterback, will CJ Stroud get the nod or will they go for some experience? And we'll see how it turns out. But in this game, I do believe that Baltimore Ravens will defeat the Houston Texans with a final score of Baltimore 34, Houston 17. And then we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Jacksonville now with Trevor Lawrence getting in his stride as a quarterback and leading that offensive team with their strong defense. And also the Colts bringing in Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback, the athleticism and versatility. And, um, you know, they've been having some defensive problems with their running game and the running back, you know, not being compensated as he would want to and going back and forth with the owner. But in this game, I do believe that Jacksonville would defeat the Colts with a final score of Jacksonville 30, Indianapolis Colts 26. And then we have San Fran taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. San Fran with that strong offense and defense. And Pittsburgh with that strong defense offense coming around. How would their quarterback be in this now as he gets a little more experience with the Steelers offense and would that Pittsburgh defense be able to shut down that 49ers run game and pass game well I think it'll be a close slug it out game very physical lots of hits and lots of action as well I'll go San Fran 19 over Pittsburgh 17 but it's be a good game and then we have Tampa Bay going to take on the Minnesota Vikings Tampa Bay now without Tom Brady bringing in Baker Mayfield and also quarterback competition. And then we have the Minnesota Vikings letting go of Dalvin Cook and now Cousins and Jefferson forming that tandem at quarterback and receiver. So Tampa Bay, I believe, will fall to the Vikings with a final score. Tampa Bay 20, Minnesota Vikings 29. And then we have Tennessee Titans now with DeAndre Hopkins in the fold going to take on those New Orleans Saints now with Derek Carr in the fold. So, I believe this will be a nice game. And also, Tennessee will make it close with New Orleans, but I'll say New Orleans 27 over Tennessee 23, but this will be a good one. Then we have Green Bay going to take on the Bears. Green Bay now with Jordan Love leading the offense and also Chicago Bears bringing in some weapons to go along with Justin Fields. And a lot of people have some I believe optimism for the Bears this year. We'll see how Green Bay goes forward with love and the play calling and what he's being asked to do and how will the team develop cohesion and chemistry now without Aaron Rodgers and his love, you know, comes into the forefront as offensive leader and Q 
QB general. Well, I believe it'll be a close high-scoring game, and I'll say Green Bay 31 falling to the Bears 33 in a close high-scoring game, what we'll see. And then we have the Los Angeles Rams going to take on the Seattle Seahawks. These teams know each other well, two NFC West opponents, both with nice histories and resumes for recent success. And with the Rams, how will Matt Stafford be in this offense? And with the Seahawks, will Geno Smith be able to continue the good things he was showing last year? And how would that Seahawks defense be? And how would that Rams secondary be now without Jalen Ramsey? Well, I'll say Seattle over the Rams. Seattle 26 over the Los Angeles Rams 17. But this also will be a good game in my opinion. And we have the Vegas Raiders going to take on the Broncos. Vegas Raiders bringing in Garoppolo to go along with McDaniels. And also having that same kind of problems and beef as the Indianapolis Colts and their running back, the Las Vegas Raiders, and also Josh Jacobs not seeing eye-to-eye on contracts and, you know, franchise tags. So then we'll see how the Broncos will be with now Russell Wilson and Sean Payton as head coach and QB duo. But in this game, I do believe that the Broncos will get back to some winning ways 31 over the Vegas Raiders 24 but this will be a good one and then we have Miami Dolphins going to take on the Los Angeles Chargers Chargers having that high flying offense with Herbert and also nice receiving core and then Eckler also another running back who's disgruntled and reworking some negotiations to get things more in his favor of his conversation but the Miami Dolphins with Tua bringing in some additional weapons at receiver and also bringing Jalen Ramsey, who's injured right now. Well, I'll say Miami will defeat the Chargers with a final score. Miami 34 over Chargers 30. And then we have the Miami, then we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to take on the New England Patriots. Philadelphia coming off that Super Bowl loss, showing so much potency and potential with that offense and the way the team plays as a unit defensively and all those star players. And New England still probably trying to find their way with young Matt Jones and how he could be with this offense now with a new offensive coordinator who is more seasoned and experienced, Bill O'Brien. And how will Belichick's defense be? Also bringing in rookie cornerback Christian Gonzalez. And in this game, I believe that Philadelphia will be able to hold off New England for a late comeback with Philadelphia winning 30 over the Patriots 24. And then in Sunday Night Football, we have Dallas with so much going on and so much acquisitions and bringing in Brandon Cook at receiver and also bringing in Stephon Gilmore on the defensive back end. And then the New York Giants with so much going on with their decision to reward Mac, sorry, um, to reward Dan, Don, Daniel Jones and also not give Saquon a long-term or lucrative contract as opposed to the franchise tag and now you know they had some back and forth and they were able to kind of negotiate some things and work some things out but also in this game I don't think the Giants will be able to compete with the Dallas Cowboys with so much weaponry and now improved defense and offense Dallas 29 over the Giants 16 and in the Monday Night Football finale we have Buffalo at New York Giants New York Jets I say Buffalo 23 over the Jets 34. I'm sorry, Jets 34 over the Buffalo Bills 23 in Aaron Rodgers' debut. So we'll see. And this concludes another episode of the Rob View Sports Do Show. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Peace, and I'll see you on the next. Be blessed.